What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. It is the podcast that Dave Richard has been looking forward to. He just said that off the air. Like, this is like his favorite show. He can't wait. I can't wait either, Dave. I'm very excited. Good morning, Dave Richard. What's up, Adam? Good morning, Dave. I, I was about oh, to say what's up okay. to everybody else on the show. I'll let you introduce yeah, them. I was about to. Since that's kind of your deal. <laughs> Dan Schneier is here. Dan Schneier, thank you for making me have the second sloppiest hair on the show. Uh, what? What? You, wow, and I, you and I probably should have worn a hat. You, you should have worn a hat. Yeah, that's just not true. You think I'm worse? <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah. Yes. Not even close. Doesn't even look remotely in the same ballpark. But I combed it. Par for the course with Adam. You combed that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of hair. I gotta get a cut. Oh uh, and Ryan Wilson is uh, really our guest of honor here. Is our draft analyst for CBS Sports. He's done so. How many mock drafts do you think you've done? I can tell you exactly, Azer. I have done. I've done 34 as we sit here. 35 will come out Ooh. Thursday morning because, as I tell everyone when I do radio spots, my bosses clearly hate me. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, so, you haven't done 35 since, like, the Combine. You've no, done no. 35 since last year. September, like, week zero or whatever of the, of the college football season. So late August, early September, once a week, okay. every week. Uh, you know, like the Postman's Creed, I'm doing it no matter what. <laughs> well, we're really happy to have both Ryan and Dan here today, and we're going to go through Ryan's latest mock draft, number 34, and we're going to do the fantasy analysis of the offensive players mostly. We'll we'll talk about the draft in general, which is pretty fascinating. We still don't know who's going to be the number one pick, so obviously we will discuss that, and we'll talk not just about the guys who are going to go in the first round, but you know, sleepers at each position and just the strength of the running back class. I mean, we got to talk about the running backs because none of them are in the first round mock for, for Ryan Wilson. Uh, also want to mention that you can follow him on Twitter at Ryan Wilson CBS. You can follow Dan Schneier at Dan Schneier, S-C-H-N-E-I-E-R. There's a lot of vowels there. At Dan Schneier NFL on Twitter. And he also hosts the Big Blue Banter podcast, which is a Giants podcast. I've only listened to one episode. It was very good. And in that episode, Dan assured me that the Giants new front office really liked Kadarius Tony and they were not going to trade him. So <laughs> that was a few months. That was after the combine. So, uh, sorry about that, Dan, I guess. Uh, honestly, that was a much better review than I ever thought I was going to get from you. I was very nervous when I, upon hearing off pod that you were going to review my podcast on the pod. I, you know what? We'll save that for the end. I have more to say, but people yeah. want to hear more about uh, the NFL draft. Now, 
I did want to bring up a, a slightly slightly different subject than this year's draft uh, because I think for dynasty purposes, if you're thinking about making trades or trading your rookie picks this year, Ryan, when I look at the 2023 mock drafts, and they're going to change so much. They're going to change so much. But it seems like for fantasy purposes, it seems a lot stronger uh, especially in a super flex league, but you've got Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. You've got Jackson Smith and Ajigba, uh, the wide receiver out of Ohio State, another one. You've got Bijan Robinson, a running back who could be picked in the top 10. Do you think that if you're a fantasy manager and you, you don't, you know, maybe got a middle of the first round pick or a late first round pick, do you think it makes more sense to have a 2023 rookie pick than a 2022 rookie pick? If you're thinking quarterback, absolutely. Um, Middle of the first round, and obviously fantasy is different than, than real life, and I'm more grounded in real life. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not a fantasy guy. Um, but I think unless you are convinced that one of these wide receivers will be there in this class, then yes. That, the short answer is yes. Um, there will be five, six, maybe seven wide receivers going the first round. Seven feel sort of rich. But none of the quarterbacks do it for me. None of the quarterbacks do it for me in terms of having even anything like what we saw from Mac Jones last year. And Mac Jones was a, a case of perfect fit for the quarterback that he is everyone else pretty much stunk and this class no matter who you pick in fact if davis mills were the were coming down this class he'd be the first quarterback taken that should give you some idea of how this class rates quarterback wise but wide receiver wise i think it's going to be really good through the first 10 or so picks uh of the actual draft but if you're looking for quarterback production th- this ain't the class for it okay yeah and and uh yeah, it's just something to note because the first two picks next year could easily be the two quarterbacks I mentioned, Young and Stroud, and there are some others um, that, especially a couple out of the Sunshine uh, State, that could be, you know, pretty exciting prospects. Dan, do you have anything to add to that, or, or shall we move yeah, on? Yeah, I'd say one thing to consider on that front is, while it's not the best draft from a top-end talent standpoint, there's a lot of depth, especially at receiver, and even a little bit at running back that I was going to go off the board in the second, third round. But more importantly... You got to think about landing spot. This is a draft where the Chiefs have two picks and the Packers have two picks. And almost definitely, it feels like the value and need are going to match up where where both of those teams are going to take a receiver at the end of the first round. And there, you're going to end up getting a better fit for your dynasty team because one of them goes with Aaron Rodgers. The other goes with Patrick Mahomes. If you've got guys at the top, like Kyle Pitts right now, great dynasty pick. I love him in dynasty long term. But he's matched up with Marcus Mariota now, and who knows when he's going to get a quarterback that's going to maximize his skill set. So the good news is, at least you know you're going to probably get one of these, two of these receivers to match up with Mahomes and Rodgers for your dynasty teams. I think teams are going to tank for next year, especially the quarterback needy teams. I think Mariota is a one-year stopgap yeah. for Atlanta. I think the Giants are going to tank uh, because the quarterbacks are going to be really exciting next year. Um, and uh, you know, that, so I will we'll see what happens uh, in that regard. But I, I think you might see teams like the Eagles. The Eagles traded one of their 2022 first-round picks for a 2023 first-round pick a few weeks ago. I wonder if we're going to see attempts uh, on Thursday for teams to trade out of this year's draft and into next year's draft. Um, But, you know, we're going to talk a lot about wide receivers because that is a strength of the 2023 of 2022 rather. And there were only five, only five wide receivers for you in your first round mock, Ryan. A little low. Yeah. So the, uh, the Vegas, I think Caesars is five and a half over under. I sort of feel like the over is going to come in. I just haven't. So I'll go through the guys. Garrett Wilson is my favorite. Uh, Jameson Winston, Jameson Williams would be my favorite if he hadn't torn his ACL, but he's still three for me. Trey London is the, my second wide receiver, and they're all certainly different. It's funny, Garrett Wilson, I've, I've compared 
to Odell Beckham in terms of athleticism. He actually compared himself to Deontay Johnson, which is sort of a good comp as well, and I could see that. Drake London played with Mike Pittman at USC. They're similar type players. I think London's actually going to be a little better, and I like Pittman's game. We talked about James Williams had transfer from Ohio State to Alabama to get playing time, which is always a hysterical thing to say out loud, but he's probably the fastest wide receiver in this draft class. Traylon Burks I love, and Prisco will tell you, our buddy Pete Prisco will tell you, well, teams are worried that he's going to get fat. Well, he's never gotten fat, number one, and he doesn't run away from people because he ran a 4 or 5 5 at the Combine. And he always says that as they're playing the clips of him against SEC cornerbacks (laughs) running into the end zone. So I compare him to Juju Smith-Schuster, Debo Samuel. He's a, you know, Anquan Bolden. Those are all great comps. He's probably a little slower version of A.J. Brown. Um, He's a fantastic player. He plays outside in the slot. You can line him from the backfield. He runs a ton of in-arounds. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson's teammate at Ohio State. Um, He needs to get stronger. And that's just the truth. When you watch him play, he can sometimes get knocked off the ball. But um, he's a fantastic route runner, has great hands. So that's five guys there. And then after that, I think things get interesting. So George Pickens tore his ACL last March, came back and played a few snaps last year for Georgia. And if he stayed healthy, he's a first-round guy. I've heard there's some some off-field issues. I don't know what they are, so take that for what it's worth. Um, that may see him slip a little bit in addition to, to lack of playing time because of the injury. Jahan Dotson is another guy. Penn State, he's built like K.J. Hamler. In terms of the the size, he's five sub five sub five eleven, I think, maybe right around five eleven. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely flies. But I've talked to teams that that think he's a second round pick. Uh, Christian Watson's the other one that could be in the mix there, and uh, North Dakota State kid, track guy from Florida, had to go to North Dakota State to play and run heavy office, play with Trey Lance. Um, I thought he, I think he's a really good football player. There's some sort of media pushback at this point because there always is as we get closer to the actual draft. But um, four three eight, I think, is what he ran. He ran sub four four at the combine. He plays incredibly fast. He's a big target. Um, there's some concerns about his route running, depending on who he talked to. I think his route running is fine, so he could be a sort of a, a dark horse sleeper too. So there's seven guys there. Uh, the first five that I mentioned, the ones that I, I like the most, is first round picks. So um, and, and let know. me just let me just for yeah. those of you who are haven't been studying the draft like we have those five that he mentioned were Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Drake London, Traylon Burks, and Chris Olave. Two guys from Ohio State, Burks out of Arkansas, London out of USC, Garrett Wilson out of, uh, oh, sorry, he's one of the Ohio State guys, Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Jamison Williams tore his ACL in the national championship game. Uh, so that's maybe why he won't be the first wide receiver taken. He will be one of the first, most likely. By the way, if you're wondering, hey, where's Dave? Why aren't you talking to Dave? He was so excited about the show. He's having some technical issues, working on getting him set up. He'll be back shortly. I think he is back right now. Hey, Dave. Okay. What's up, Adam? Uh, so I'm sure by now you've gotten into round five and round six. Let's go over <laughs> some of the sleepers that I like, and then we'll wrap up the show. I think instead of bouncing around, you know, I did obviously wide receiver is is the big position that's going to go in in round one. As Ryan mentioned, for fantasy purposes, as Ryan mentioned, five and a half is the over-under. He has five. You'll see some mocks with six. You'll see some with seven, maybe. Uh, And I don't know if you'll see many with with fewer than five. But also, as Dan mentioned, Green Bay and Kansas City need wide receivers, and it would be freaking awesome if they drafted a wide receiver. So let's just go through Ryan's mock draft. I think that's the best way to do this instead of bouncing around topic to topic. And Ryan, I hope I'm using the the most updated one from yesterday with Iki, with Iki Aquanu going first. Uh, let's see. I had the uh, yeah. That's the we'll see because that's I've had that go in the last like is this a seven rounder or two rounder, Adam? I'm looking just at the mock draft page where there are five analysts, so this is just a one rounder. But I could go oh, to the okay. two rounder. Uh, yeah, it's it's live on CBSSports.com. All right. 
So um, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm that. not sure how often they update that that draft page. It, it was updated of- yesterday, but I, I know there are so many. All right, I got it. Ryan Wilson, if you just go to the NFL page on CBS Sports, it's one of the top stories. Okay, so this is what he thinks teams should do. So you've got Aquanu going one to Jacksonville, left tackle, and Hutchinson two to the Lions, Evan Neal three to the Texans. And now I'm going to ask a general question because you have Charles Cross going six to Carolina. That means three offensive tackles in the first six picks to Jacksonville, to Houston, gets Evan Neal, and then to Carolina. Dave, do you think that a rookie left tackle will have or can have a big fantasy impact is it something that will change any rankings for you if the jaguars texans and panthers in ryan's scenario at picks one three and six take left tackles or i assume they'll all be playing left tackle but not necessarily but take tackles um in round one no i don't think there's (laughs) i i I like these offensive tackles i think they all have their strengths but i'm not going to see uh, Aquanu going to Jacksonville and go, that's it. I got to have Travis Etienne. And this means that Trevor Lawrence is going to get sacked 20 times. <laughs> no, I, I don't see that. I don't think these are, these are going to be helpful offensive linemen. They are going to be talking points for sure in July and August, but I don't think that they are. I don't think any of them are dominant to the point where they're going to come in and have a, a huge effect. Um, at, you know, look at last year's top offensive lineman. It was Sewell, right? Yeah. You know, he was what kind of effect did he have in Detroit? He, he was kind of a mess at first. He was, he was pretty uh, good. 59th. He he, I looked at, so I looked at the at the PFF grades of every first round offensive lineman over the last <laughs> 5 years just to see how they did. This is what you did over the weekend? Yeah. Look, you know what? I decided that I I'm not going to two kids. I'm not well, this isn't the only thing I did. Uh <laughs> they helped. Sure. Yeah. He, he took his kids to that hypothetical farm that's by his house. <laughs> uh to sum it up, these rookie offensive linemen, uh, they're not going to elevate an offense, but but they can be helpful. I mean, Rashawn Slater was obviously helpful. Uh, yes. Panay Sewell was 59th best pass blocking, but he was something like 15th best in run blocking. And one thing I did notice is that these rookie offensive linemen, even the tackles, they tend to grade much better as run blockers as rookies than they do as pass blockers. So I thought that was interesting, and maybe they'll have a bigger effect on the running backs than they will... The quarterbacks. Okay. So then I would maybe, have a question maybe. for Ryan. When you look at the top three tackles, and I, we won't throw Penning in there for now, do you think that all three of them are going to be great in the run blocking game, or do you think there might be one or two of them that are going to be better as pass protectors? Aki and Charles Cross are fantastic run blockers. And I, I like to tell this because I think it's funny. No one else does. But when we were talking to Aki at the combine, I told him I'm pushing the narrative that his nickname is Dr. Pancake because when you watch him play, he's just crushing guys. Literally no smiles. Awesome. Love it. Uh, <laughs> I'm smiling. Evan Neal played left tackle last year, played right tackle the year before, can play right guard. Um, he's three, whatever he is, 325, 330. He looks like he's like 6'4", like 250, the way he's built. It's insane how lithe he is, to, to use a word that I don't think I've ever used before. Uh, the knock on Charles Cross is that he plays the Mike Leach offense and he can't pass, pass protect, um, or they can't run block. He can run block because all they do is throw the ball. He's a really good run blocker, and I think that's sort of being undersold. Now, if you're comparing these guys to Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater, I think whoever you take here first is coming after those two guys if they were all coming out at the same time. 
Yep. I would push back a little bit. I think Panay had a really good year last year. He started off at left tackle, then he moved back to right tackle. I think that's the that was the the chronology of it. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what he played at Oregon, I think. Either, it, 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 or vice versa. I can't remember the exact. So I think he played left tackle at Oregon, and then he started at left thank tackle, you. and then Taylor Decker came back, and they moved that's when they Sewell moved to right, right. Oh, okay, tackle. Okay, thank you. There right. you go. There's the there's the chronology on that. And Rashawn Slater was a game changer. Like, he went 13th. Yeah. He's like going top three if he if there's a redraft of that class. He he was absolutely crushing it. And I think, like, look, I, I think Dave's right in, in one sense. Like, you could take Icky at the top, and Icky's gonna, probably going to be the best player on that offensive line, but that offensive line stinks in Jacksonville. But I think taking him over an edge rusher, whoever your favorite edge rusher is, makes Trevor Lawrence a lot better. I mean, they keep drafting edge rushers, and those edge rushers, Caleb on Chase and Josh Allen, are good. Team keeps winning two games. So um, let me ask you this, Dave. So would you rather have just – for fantasy conversation purposes, Ike Kwanu sure. at number one for Jacksonville, or would you take your favorite wide receiver? What what what's more bang for the buck in terms of productivity? Well, I, I you look at what Jacksonville added to their receiving core already. I don't think that they're gonna add a wide receiver uh, with either of their first two picks. I would be surprised if they did that. And if if they went about free agency the way that they did, I don't see how adding. Garrett Wilson's my favorite receiver. If they took Garrett Wilson number one overall, I wouldn't be that excited about him for fantasy because I don't think he'd get. All that right, let's huge say the Texans. At, the Texans at three: Evan Neal or Garrett Wilson. I I wouldn't be as excited about Garrett Wilson in fantasy if he went to Houston right. either. But at least there, he'd have a good shot at being number two on the team in targets, and he'd and have a good shot at being number one and picking up Davis Mills in the in the backfield when he gets sacked. That's my concern. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, that same exact <laughs> argument was made over Jamar Chase versus Panay Sewell last year. That's a great point. And I think it worked out for Cincinnati that they took Jamar Chase. Right. No, that's right. And I, then I think, they... I think, listen, to answer your question, Ryan, I think if there was a, a, a super top-tier receiver in this draft, and I don't think there is, I would argue for that receiver over any of these three offensive linemen. But because there isn't, because I think Garrett Wilson's the best of all the receivers that are available, and I think his ceiling is Calvin Ridley pre-online sports betting, then I I think that you go with one of the linemen, they're probably a safer bet for an offense. And I'll say this about the linemen here. I I agree with what everyone said, but I do think Rashawn Slater made a big impact on that Chargers offense, especially at the second level where it really helped Eckler in the screen game. And when I watch, just going off of Brian's mock, if, if it goes like this, and we do have Cross going six to the Panthers, Cross, he doesn't have the same strength at the point of attack as Slater. So I'm not going to say he's like Slater. I think Slater's a much better prospect. But one thing Cross does really well, and there weren't many examples of it because of what Ryan said, the offense he played in that Mike Leach offense. But there were some examples of him climbing to the second level in the screen game and having a massive impact there. And I think he could do the same thing there in Carolina for Christian McCaffrey. And I almost feel like if he goes to Carolina, he may have the biggest impact fantasy-wise because of what he can do for the screen game for McCaffrey. So there are still some examples of these linemen having an impact in fantasy. I agree, though. Generally speaking, you're not going to see Iquano go one to Jacksonville, and that align is immediately amazing for fantasy football and for ETN. Yeah. Hey, let me ask – Adam, let me ask you and Dan quickly. I know this isn't a Giants podcast. I'm interested. Would you? How do you feel as Giants fans about passing on Charles Cross and taking Sauce Gardner and Trayvon Walker? You can just give me a 10 second answer. We can move on. I'm just curious. The way that mock drafts, I would feel terrible about it. If they don't get one of these, <laughs> if they don't get one of these three tackles, I'm going to feel terrible coming out of this. Azer, I, I mean, I think I've gotten more excited about Gardner throughout the week. So I think he, you know, seems like maybe the best player 
uh, of all the players we've talked about. I, I, I think you know Gardner and an offensive tackle would be would be great. But I think I'd like to see them trade out of the first round, preferably, and try to get some some ammunition for next year. Okay, got it. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's get back to the mock draft here. I guess we'll just move on. By the way. Uh, we are giving away a spot in the 2022 Listeners League. If you want to be in, fill out the form in the episode description with your prediction of the top 10 picks of the NFL draft. You don't need to tell us the teams that they're going to, just the players and the order in which they will be drafted. Not, here are the 10 players. You have to tell me, one through 10. You'll see it on the form. Whoever's closest to the exact order gets the spot. The link is in the episode description. And entries close Thursday night at 8 p.m., you should do it, but I recommend waiting. Okay, there's no sense in doing it now. Wait until you have as much information as possible. And remember, you have to spell the names properly. <laughs> if you don't, it will not count as a correct guess. Uh, okay, so we've got, let's recap the first six picks because I kind of skipped some of them. I have a million tabs open here. It is Aquanu, one to the Jaguars, Hutchinson, Hutchinson, two to the Lions, Evan Neal to the Texans, Thibodeau to the Jets. See, Ryan, I listened to the Pick 6 podcast. I know not to be Will Brinson instead of Thibodeau. Thibodeau to the Jets. Uh, Sauce Gardner to the Giants. Charles Cross to the Panthers. And then the Giants again with Trayvon Walker at 7. He could go number 1. Who do you think is going number 1, guys? Dan, uh, you haven't spoken all that much. Sorry about that. Let me get you in there. Who who do you have going number 1? I think they're going to go Walker. It's Trent Baalke. Okay. Ryan? He's the new Dave Gettleman. I think it's I think it's it's Trayvon Walker too. And the only thing I would say to that, and the sort of the storylines you hear in the media that may or may not be smoke screens, is that well, he took Alden Smith back in the day. And I think I talked with Dan about this before, yep. but that's the same draft where he also passed on JJ Watt and Cam Jordan. So <laughs> I get it. Alden Smith was great his rookie season, had the off field concerns, uh, but he also passed on two Hall of Famers. And I feel like <laughs> I don't know if Aiden Hutchinson can be a Hall of Famer, but he certainly feels like more of a layup than than Trayvon. So we'll see. Okay, and, and in case you're confused, the draft that we're reading right now is what Ryan thinks teams should do, not what he thinks they will do. So when you get number 35 on Thursday, you might see Trayvon Walker mocked at number one. Correct. Dave, who do you got number one? I have Hutchinson. I think not only does he help their pass rush immediately, but he helps their run defense immediately too. He's a, The Jaguars are in the same division as the Titans and the Colts. They've got some pretty yep. damn good running backs. Uh, probably the first two picks in fantasy this year will be Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry. That's who Jacksonville has to deal with twice a year each. They need guys who can stop the run. Okay, pick number eight is where it gets fun from a fantasy perspective. A lot of mocks have Garrett Wilson going eighth overall to the Atlanta Falcons. So, Dave, if you look at that, who ex- who excels <laughs> who excels more you know, at their respective position in 2022, Garrett Wilson or Kyle Pitts? Ugh. Um, it, I I think Pitts is probably going to be a little bit better just because he's got the year of experience under his belt and because he's a bigger body. And we've seen Mario to lean on tight ends before. He'll probably be used more in the short and er- intermediate areas of the passing game, which I think Mario is going to look for. I don't see Mario to being a deep bomber. So I would imagine more targets for Pitts, more catches for Pitts, more touchdowns for Pitts. Do you think Pitts in round four still? If uh, if Garrett Wilson three or four, okay. And Garrett Wilson was only going to help Pitts, I think, for fantasy. It takes away some some of the defensive attention. And Pitts quietly had the third most receiving yards for a tight end last year. I feel like it's the most quiet third yeah. most receiving yard ever. No one talks yeah. about that. Yeah, that hit, set a record. 
That team won, like, how many games they won? They won all those games by a combined seven points. Like, it was yeah. insane how terrible that <laughs> football team was. Uh, so but Don't worry, Mariota's there to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so tell me about Garrett Wilson, Ryan, and as you have him as the first guy off the board. First, receiver. Yeah, I'll be interested to hear what Dave thinks of this, too. Like, I, I love him. And um, talked to him at the combine, and he said that Olave's faster than he was. And turns out Garrett ran, I think, a tenth of a second faster when they actually ran their 40s. And maybe during the course of practices at Ohio State, Olave was faster. But in games, Garrett Wilson played immeasurably faster. Like, it wasn't even close for me. I think he's uh, more athletic. I think he gets up the line of scrimmage better. I think he's stronger. I think he's better with the high-point catches. And I say all this with the understanding that Olave is a, a really good football player and probably going to go in the first round, um, mid, mid-first round probably, it feels like. But I think, and I just mentioned this earlier, uh, Garrett Wilson reminds me a lot of, of Odell Beckham at his best in terms of the athleticism at the catch point. But as I, I said earlier as well, Deontay Johnson was the comp that Garrett Wilson made for himself. And I, I think with better hands. He does have focus drops, which is sort of reminiscent of Deontay Johnson. I would, I would like those to go away for both players. <laughs> but I think either of those players, whether you're getting Deontay Johnson or Odell Beckham or something in between, that's a first-round talent. And, you know, Dave was moaning and groaning because he's going to the Falcons. I get it. But again, if he goes to somehow lands in the Patriots, for example, I think you have to feel pretty good about that. Or the Steelers, for example. Well, it's Mr. Trubisky. It's no longer Big Ben. Um, How about maybe? Green Bay, Ryan? Green Bay, Kansas City. Right. Those would be those would be certainly fun destinations. Uh, Atlanta, not so much. Okay. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about a few more wide receivers here. We'll go deeper into the draft uh, because Jamison Williams is coming off the board shortly. Derek Stingley at number nine, cornerback out of LSU, going to Seattle in Ryan's should do mock what they should do mock draft, and and then Jamison Williams to the Jets at number ten, and Drake London to the Commanders <laughs> at number eleven. So that is three wide receivers off the board within four picks at eight, ten, and eleven. All right, Dave. So now give me a ranking for 2022 only. Garrett Wilson on the Falcons, Jamison Williams on the Jets, and Drake London on the Commanders. I think I'm going to take Drake London first, especially if it's full PPR. I think he's going to have a chance to be real close to total targets with Terry McLaurin. He'll be that number two guy. How long have I been talking about Carson Wentz and his his favoritism toward bigger outside types of wide receivers? And I think London fits in with Washington pretty well because he's a different type of receiver. First of all, he's a different type of receiver than most of the people who play wide receiver in the NFL. He's six foot four. He's basically Kyle Pitts, but at wide receiver. And I think that Washington needs somebody like that who's different from Terry McLaurin. And I think that McLaurin and his contract situation, it makes it a little more wise, I guess, for Washington to spend that pick on a wide out. And I think that London fits in with Wentz. And I think Washington wants to try and make it work with Wentz. And so they're they're taking him for for the comfort of Wentz throwing to bigger targets and so that they've got a wide receiver for the next several years who could be their number one if things go wrong with McLaurin or if things go right with McLaurin and they sign him, he's their 1B. I think he's got all kinds of potential. He would be first for me. I would probably take Wilson second and Jamison Williams third because I'm I'm not the biggest Jamison Williams fan, and I also view the Jets' offense as probably being a little more run-centric, not as pass-heavy, and they've got Elijah Moore there. Corey Davis is still there for 2022. I think that could hurt the targets for Jamison. Uh, fun fact quickly about uh, Drake London. Played high school basketball senior year, averaged 30 points a game, 12 rebounds, and he also played a little bit with USC, so he is the epitome of high-point catch machine. 
he went to he he wanted to go to USC in general, but he he especially chose them because they were going to let him play basketball. He played six minutes, I think, of college basketball for USC. I think he missed one basket in in his six minutes playing for the Trojans on on the court. But yeah, he's he's a lot like uh, Mike Williams, Mike Evans, Alshon Jeffrey, big body type of receiver on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. And he didn't run the 40, and there are questions about the speed, I guess. And I do want to get into 40 times and, and what they mean uh, when we talk about Traylon Burks because he's fascinating to me. A slow 40 time, but ran by everybody in the SEC. We'll get to Burks in a little bit. Dan, I want to ask you, though. We've got, again, we've got uh, Garrett Wilson on the Falcons, Jamison Williams to the Jets at 10, and Drake London to Washington at 11. How do you rank them for 2022 for fantasy purposes? So I'm going to go a little different. I'm going to go with Jamison Williams as the wide receiver one. He's my wide receiver one in this class. He's the one you watch on film and he pops off the angles. He eliminates. It's just like, whoo, the then championship game against George, the play he made or the, the game before that was like, whoo. And so I think that people don't think that Oof. he's a fit. It was, can you, you watch spell, him eliminate you these angles. That? You're like, who is this guy? Spell that. Spell that. that. Uh, that's an H. That's a what? Like a what? It's got <laughs> another W in there. Yeah. H-W-O-O-O. I do declare. H-W-O-O-O from the most Southern guy on the podcast. That's yeah, me. right. And, and, and anyway, <laughs> I really, I, I, I agree with what Dave said, especially when you look at some of the under, like the underneath stats, the Jets had a lot of runs in, in past situations last year. They're a team that wants to run the ball coming from that 49ers based offense, but People always say, look, the Jets got to get a big guy to pair for uh, to pair with Eli Moore there. I don't think so. I think Zach Wilson's skill set leads itself to what Jamison Williams can do in the deep passing game. So I like Williams there. Then I like London. And unfortunately, I have Wilson last, even though he'd be my number one receiver after uh, Jamison Williams in this class overall. Okay. Question about Jamison Williams, Ryan. Do you think he is a complete receiver do you think he's mostly just a deep threat how would you describe even a little scouting report on Jamison Williams out of Alabama who again is coming off the torn ACL that he suffered in the national championship game yeah he's complete he the only issue is he looks like Devonta Smith and turns out Devonta Smith is a pretty complete player too he's not as good as Devonta Smith he's faster um I don't think Devon, did Devonta run last year I don't think he did right nope yeah because he um he had some whatever injury he was nursing he's plenty fast even if he's a four five five guy i don't care but um i'm talking about Devonte. jameson's much faster than that and he could stand to add some weight and get stronger but you could say that about just just about everyone in this class except for maybe Traylon burks in terms of the first round conversations yeah no he's complete he can run every route and, and dan uh as he was having his fainting spells there was sort of alluding <laughs> to just how good he is Whew. at all three levels yeah <laughs> and he mentioned the georgia game but you can watch any game and he's pretty much running away from guys deep. Uh, he finds ways to get open uh, on the short and intermediate routes because of his quickness off the line of scrimmage. And I think um, just probably needs to get a little stronger. He reminds um, me so much of Deshaun Jackson. Do you see that at all, Ryan? Yeah, no, that's actually a good cop. And he's early Deshaun. He's a tall, he, he must be taller too than Deshaun. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. He's a, he's Deshaun with more upside to me. Yeah. And I, I like that comp a lot. And you mentioned the speed with um, Asia. I want to go back. You mentioned the speed with, with Drake London. I'll just tell you this. I was talking to the team back in the fall and they described Drake London having seen him play and not really caring what he would run in straight line and shorts as a bigger version of Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams also a second round pick. So if that sort of interests you, you might be interested in Drake London. Okay, but then I, it also interests me in, and that does interest me, by the way. I would, I would sign up for that. Uh, in Christian Watson, who is not in your Ooh. first round, but he's a 6'4 guy who who ran a 4'3'6, I believe. Or, yeah, 4'3'6, I think. And you talked about him a little bit earlier, but my God, just the 
Dan wrote a wrote the uh, scouting report on on Christian Watson, and I think you said it's like watching a video game. So I'm very curious to talk about him, see what you guys think. We will come right back and finish up round one. The second half is exciting. A lot of wide receivers still to come. Actually, just two more, but the quarterbacks are still to come in the uh, in the first round mock for Ryan Wilson. We'll be right back on fantasy football today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. So we are 11 picks in. We had three offensive tackles going to Ryan in Ryan's mock uh, in the first six picks. And then at 8, 10, and 11, we had Garrett Wilson to the Falcons, Jamison Williams to the Jets, Drake London to Washington. After that, Trent McDuffie, a cornerback, goes to Minnesota. And Kyle Hamilton, the safety, who, uh, you know, at times we heard about him, maybe he's a top five pick. He falls to 13 to Houston. And he had a slow 40 time. Uh, but he's a great playmaker, safety out of Notre Dame. Jermaine Johnson. Uh, oh, man, did he just terrorize Miami in that game, Dave. Whew. Uh, yes. Dave, and Dave would say, whew. Uh, edge rusher out of Florida State going to Baltimore at 14. The Eagles with their first pick of this draft. They take Jordan Davis, defensive lineman out of Georgia. Did he run a faster 40 than Kyle Hamilton? Yeah, it was close. 478 <laughs> to 479 at the oh. pro day for Kyle Hamilton. Wow. No, no. 474 maybe. I think okay. 474 for Kyle at the pro day. 478 for Jordan at the combine. Yeah, had like six, 150 six, pounds more. Right, 66341 <laughs> running a 478. Jordan Davis to the Eagles at 15. Malik Willis to the Saints, first quarterback off the board. Um, that's lower than most mocks, right? At 16 for Malik Willis. And, and he, I'm sure he'll go higher in your in your mock draft 35, right? Uh, let's take a little sneak peek. Where does he go? Yeah, he does. He ends up going, I'll give you a little, little preview. Have him going eight in the final mock draft to the Falcons. 
Remember, um, this is what Ryan would do, not what he thinks. This is what I would do, the one we're talking about here. Yes. I wouldn't take him at six. We've talked about the offensive line needs there. I, I think at eight, you need to help out Kyle Pitts. Marcus Mariota is obviously not the answer. But anyway, we get to Malik Willis at 16. And I have like I have no idea what these teams are thinking with the quarterbacks, which is usually I have some sense from talking to folks and whatnot. It's just so nebulous at this point. But here's my thing with Malik here. Upside and all the the immeasurables, uh, the, it's fantastic. I mean, you you build a guy in the lab. It looks like Malik Willis. He's probably just four inches taller. But if you're Pete Carmichael running the Sean Payton offense that everyone knows so well, and Sean Payton had this weird love affair with Taysom Hill, Malik Willis feels like a really big upgrade over Taysom Hill. So you roll with Jameis for a year, maybe two, and, and then you reevaluate, and, and hopefully you have your quarterback. Hope it's in the plan. I know all that. But here's the thing. I, I'm fine with teams – taking measured risks on quarterbacks. And sometimes, you know, you get Mr. Biskey and, and sometimes you, you get Josh Allen. This will probably be somewhere in the middle because what do you have a 30%, 40% hit rate on quarterbacks in the first round? But, um, you know, you never make a shot. You don't take Azer. I know. I just, I always go back to the Jake Locker, Christian Ponder draft, Ooh, which is, which is probably the worst example, but you see it all <laughs> it the <is>. time. <laughs> you see it all, but it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel like, a 16 would be would be you know justifiable, but it just doesn't feel like from all the things I've read and seen. I, I mean, I watched a little bit of Malik Willis, but I don't take my scouting opinion to be so so great. Um, it doesn't seem like these quarterbacks are special this year, and you shouldn't take you shouldn't take them just because they are a quarterback. Yeah, that's just never a good idea. And that's right. You should take the best players available. Um, I don't want to compare the two, though, because I don't think they're alike at all. But Josh Allen wasn't special coming out of Wyoming. He had special traits. And that's kind of what Ryan was alluding to. Malik Wills. Malik Wills is not a special quarterback right now. He's got a long way to go as far as just processing defenses post snap. But right now he does still have the special traits. And that's it all kind of depends on the fit where he goes to and and who and obviously the coaching and the work he puts in. People don't talk about everyone's like, oh, Brian, you know, Brian Dable, everybody. Yeah. Dorsey, whoever uh, Josh Allen worked with. It's also Josh Allen. He put in the time to work on his craft and improve his footwork and improve his upper body mechanics. And that's why he's one of the best quarterbacks right now. So mm-hmm. Willis can do all of that. Dave, if whoever drafts Malik Willis, when would you expect to see him as the starting quarterback? Would it be second half of this year? Would it be 2023? And Because obviously we, we need to evaluate that from the wide receiver's perspective as well. I think it completely depends on the team. I wish there was a blanket answer I could give. Let's call it the last third of the 2022 season. That's probably about the average. But there are some teams that might put them on the field real soon if they know their season's not going anywhere. Carolina, I'm thinking of Carolina Atlanta, right, off the, right off the top, where if the Panthers yeah. go 0-4 to start the year with Sam Darnold, yes. uh, I, I mean, they, they might move to him after going 0-1. Because Darnold, they know they're not going anywhere with him. Yeah. Versus a team like New Orleans, who has Jameis Winston. Well, if Jameis is healthy and he's doing his thing, they're probably not going to use Malik Willis at all. So I would imagine that you'll see Malik Willis play sometime after, uh, sometime in November for most of these teams. But it really does come down to where he goes. Listen, I, I think if he goes to Seattle, I think he's got a chance to start week one. Pete Carroll's got a pretty consistent track record of playing guys when he thinks they're ready. And if he goes to Seattle and he makes quick improvements and, you know, who does he have to outplay in Seattle? Drew Locke and Geno Smith? That's not asking a lot. He could start week one in Seattle, and that could be pretty crazy for the receivers there. They'll have some 
massive inconsistencies from week to week. September going to be busy for Matt Flynn having to relive all those memories when he got benched for Russell Wilson. <laughs> yeah, he'll be counting his money while he does it. <laughs> okay, so we the only have... Is, oh, sorry, Dan. Oh. We only have Ryan for five more minutes. So yeah, I want to get him to talk about the rest of these wide receivers here that he has in the first round. Malik Willis, 16 to the Saints. And then a couple of offensive linemen are going to come off the board in the next three picks. Kenyon Green to the Chargers. He can play inside or outside. Devin Lloyd at linebacker goes to the Eagles at 18. The Saints again on the clock, and they go with Trevor Penning. They lost Teron Armstead, so uh, this will be an important pick for the Saints. Uh, and then another offensive lineman, Tyler Linderbaum, who, do you think Tyler Linderbaum, who's a center, will have a big impact? I, I mean, look, centers don't get drafted high, but he, you have him going to Pittsburgh. I mean, is, is he an immediate, and you can be quick on this so we can spend more time on the fun players. <laughs> is he an immediate impact player as a rookie, Tyler Linderbaum, center out of Iowa? Yeah, if he goes to Pittsburgh, if he goes to Dallas, if he goes to Cincinnati, absolutely. And you mentioned centers aren't often drafted. I'll give you this little quick nugget. Since 2010, three centers have gone, the highest have gone is 18th. Marquise Pouncey, Ryan Kelly, and, and Brinson's guy, Garrett Bradbury. Two of the three are really good. So, you know, it, it just depends on the scheme. Last year, the Steelers' interior was so terrible that it, it exacerbated all the other issues that offense. I don't know if he's going to go this high, but he he fits a need there for sure. He was started day one. All right, New England on the clock at 21. They go on the defensive line to Georgia's Devontae Wyatt. And then we've got Traylon Burks, 22 overall to the Packers, who also take in your mock another wide receiver, I believe. Oh, no, Chris Olave you have going. Okay, I'm sorry. That was a different mock you had. I've done that before. Getting Olave. Yeah. You actually have Olave going to the Chiefs. How cool is that? All right, so let's say in this awesome scenario, Traylon Burks to the Packers at 22 and Olave to the Chiefs at 29. Uh, first, Dave, who would you rank higher, Burks on the Packers or Olave on the Chiefs? Mm. Burks on the Packers. Mm. And would he be number one? in this scenario amongst the rookie wide receivers? Potentially, yes. In fact, I probably, like ahead of Wilson, ahead of Jameson Williams, who was the other receiver? Drake London you had in Washington. Going, yeah, he'll, he would be ahead of Drake London in Washington. This, okay. I, I think you could look at Burks as someone who might be the best possible replacement for Devontae Adams in terms of just short and intermediate passing for, for Green Bay. Dan, so Olave to the Chiefs, do you think he would be he would have a better season? Who would you rank higher, Juju Smith-Schuster or Chris Olave? Mm. Ooh, I like that one. I would. I think I would rank Juju Smith-Schuster higher. I feel like the fit. It's it's he has more experience in the NFL right now. I don't. Tr I'm not going to come in and trust Olave right away, especially a receiver like Olave who's outside my top five. Okay, I want to talk about Traylon Burks here. So yes. a four-five-five forty at the combine is is not good, Ryan. It's not, you know, it's not great. It's not great. You got some guys running the four threes or whatever. Uh, but the game speed is exceptional. Now, USA Today uh, wrote an article with a list of wide receivers who ran 40s at four or five or slower. Yeah. Here are some of them. Tell me if they're good. DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Demarius Thomas, Des Bryant, Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, Tyler Boyd, Cortland Sutton, Michael Pittman. All ran 4-5. got slower. Anquan Bolden. Yeah, I was going to say, Anquan Bolden ran like a 4-7-8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's the one that <laughs> changed my opinion on the 40 yes. forever. And Larry Fitzgerald didn't run to the combine. I'm pretty sure he ran to the 4-6s when yes. they got a time on him. And the, the, here's the thing, Azer, with all those names you mentioned, they all played faster than they timed. And I think yep. you can look at 40 times like, oh, that guy's clearly slow. But when you watch him, unless you're Pete Prisco, Traylon Burks is 
consistently outrunning guys to the end zone. And he's not out, not outrunning guys in Division Three. It's the SEC where yep. almost every single one of those cornerbacks are going to either get drafted or be in an NFL camp by the time it's all said and done. And as I mentioned, you can line him up anywhere. He ran a thousand end rounds. He can run the screen game. He can play in the backfield. He's sort of an upgrade over Randall Cobb. I feel like ten years ago or whatever in that offense. And Amari Rogers, you want to throw him in there, who they drafted a couple years ago. And, and I think you know he's sturdy. He, he's not like Olave in terms of he's, he's a slight frame. He hasn't played in cold weather like Olave has. But I think that's a that's a relatively easy transition. You're gonna have that transition than the transition of someone who needs to gain twenty pounds. Mm-hmm. It'd be tough for getting a full line of scrimmage. So there's no I, better I, fit in fantasy than for, than uh, Burks for the Lafleur offense. Okay, so <laughs> but here's here's I just want what about Arizona's up. offense. I still feel like Burks in that LaFleur offense is even better. I mean, look at what Moore did last year. We wanted Moore to get more snaps. We wanted Moore to get more playing time. It seems like a better fit. There's a lot more bubble screens, but the way that they use motion and pre-snap in that Green Bay offense to kind of Mm -hmm. set up everything else, Burks is going to be perfect, I think. All right, so I just want to bring this concern up, right? Because when I read that list of the wide receivers who ran slow 40 times and were great, they don't really strike me as a list of players who run by you. Right, like DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown does, Uh, Demarius Thomas, Dez Bryant. These are bigger box out guys, like really good perimeter wide receivers. I guess what I'm saying is, does Traylon Burks morph into that type of receiver? Is he just going to break the mold? People compare him to Debo Samuel, but Debo did run a, a better 40 time than that. You know, like, but the knock on Debo is are coming in. I talked to him at the Senior Bowl, but I remember this. I was looking at the quote a few weeks ago. Is that teams don't think I'm fast enough? That was the conversation coming into the senior bowl. And he felt like he proved some people wrong that week. Turns out he he's a pretty good football player. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think we get hung up on the speed thing. And like in a foot race, I don't know if he's running by Pat Sertan. He almost certainly isn't. But if he has a step on Pat Sertan because he won off the line scrimmage with his hands and his physicality, that's an extra 10, 15 yards down the field. Tyreek Hill scored a touchdown, but there's only one Tyreek Hill. So I, I think yeah, yeah. we sometimes overplay it, but but I, I love a lot about his game. And to answer your question, is there, there are examples, and I'm sure Ryan can attest to this, there are a lot of examples of him high-pointing the ball and making some really good contested catches on tape. Really, I didn't see anyone who did it better than Drake London. I know there weren't as many examples, wasn't as large of a sample size, but Burks does that. And one thing that we always forget, this is a good thing I picked up from Greg Cassell, who I think is the GOAT for NFL film analysis. Stride length is important when you're talking about speed for these receivers and ultimately if they can outrun defenders. And he's got huge stride length, Traylon Brooks. He's a big receiver. And when he when he moves, he moves, he picks up he he picks up ground fast. So I think that the speed thing is the 40 thing is a little overrated when it comes to his speed. Okay. Uh t- 225 pounds and he he can really yeah, move. Six two. And speaking of really moving, we gotta let yep. Ryan really move. So thank you for being here, Ryan Wilson. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys. This is great. I guess you'll be on pick six all week. Um, probably. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing on Thursday, Ryan? <laughs> uh, I'll be I'll be at the pool in Vegas with, with Orange Pete Prisco, who have already been twenty four hours into the sun. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, Thursday's big for Ryan. Friday's Friday's bigger for us, Dave. I'd say, right? I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. But I know that we'll have coverage of the draft as part of our usual deal on CBS Sports HQ, and Ryan will be there the whole time. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Thank you, guys. All right, we'll continue it here with Dave and Dan. Traylon Burks, 22nd overall to Green Bay. David Ojabo to Arizona, edge rusher out of Michigan. Zion Johnson, offensive lineman, going to Dallas. Give them a little help on the interior of the offensive line. I would love to see Linderbaum go to Dallas, uh, but Tyler Johnson or Zion Johnson, rather, kind of the same idea there, I guess, guys, right? I mean, sure. Dallas has Zion a- can play center, too. 
So okay, yeah, Dallas had a great offensive line for a while, but they, they need to fortify. They need to refortify it a little bit. Uh, Buffalo taking Daxton Hill. I wrote a mock draft. You you know Ryan's done thirty four of these. I've done my. I'm doing my first <laughs> right now. It's the it's the biggest regret professionally that I have. When I said yes <laughs> Dan, to Dad, yes, I'll do a mock draft with fantasy analysis. <laughs> I was doing it last time. Like this is the worst idea I ever had. Why did I agree to do this? Um, I just put Brees we Hall. Adam with writing yeah. his first piece of written content for the site in over a year, and this is this is what we got. Yeah, I put Brees Hall there for Buffalo because I just I just want to see it. Uh, but uh, Ryan has Daxon Hill a safety there. Uh, offensive line to Tennessee. Let's see. I'll, I'll just Chris Olave to the Chiefs. And that would be it for offense in round one. So, all right. I, I think let's let's kind of talk about, sum it up here. Mm. Over the last three years, we've had a lot of wide receivers go in the first round. And overall, we've had a lot of wide receivers be pretty productive for fantasy. You know, not necessarily must-start guys, but like a Devontae Smith or um, a T. Higgins a couple of years ago who had a great stretch. Brandon Ayuk finished strong. Not not necessarily guys that from week one through week 17 or week 18 that you're starting every week or anything like that, but right. players you're drafting, players that you're rostering for the entire season. Some of them are going to be great, but a lot of them are just going to be really solid. Uh, do you see that happening this year, Dave? you think we're going to get, say, five top 100 to 120? You know, all right, five players in the first 10 rounds, you think, at the wide receiver position? you think it's realistic? In fantasy? In fantasy redrafts this year? Yeah, yeah, you'll probably see five receivers go in, in that stretch. I don't think there will be many left over for round 11+. plus. You'll see one or two that'll get hyped up. They'll be the ones that are paired with a good quarterback. They'll go in round seven or eight. And then the next ones that are based on talent will probably go after them. And then the last one, or maybe two, maybe there's six of these guys, they'll end up going in that round nine to 10-ish. Dan, who's the wide receiver that you fell in love with? I got two. I got Christian Watson, North Dakota State. You brought him up earlier. He's just reminds me so much of the uh, DK Metcalf evaluation from a few years ago. He can't do this. He can't. Run. He doesn't have a large route tree. He doesn't run a lot. Sorry, run a lot of routes. Give him the opportunity to, and he'll show you that he can. The other guy is the deep sleeper, Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor. I watched Tyquan Thornton, and I'm like. He ran the 428 at the combine, and yet he's getting no buzz despite running the 428 at the combine. Then you watch his tape, and he looks awesome on film there in that Baylor offense. So he'll be a late sleeper that I like. Dave, who do you Dan think? Dan knows who mine is. Okay, who? who? Oh, yeah. I, I've been talking about him since the senior bowl. It's Alec Pierce from Cincinnati, who is he, he timed well in the 40. He's an example of somebody who has this amazing 40 time, but you watch him play, and you don't really see it. You don't see that speed on film, but you do see him with really good technique. He's good at getting open. He's good at catching 50-50 balls. I think part of the reason why Desmond Ritter had the stats that he had last year is because he trusted Alec Pierce almost every single time that they were in the red zone or he was under pressure, he was on the move. Throw it to 12. That's what he did. Pierce reminds me a lot of, of everyone from Tyler Boyd to Allen Robinson to Cooper Cup, one of these receivers that has size on his side and just knows how to get open with just footwork or just a little bit of a push-off. I think he's yep. good at all that stuff. I am really hoping he ends up on a team that's got a good quarterback and a good opportunity for him uh, to become available and to become a possible fantasy sleeper um, as soon as week one. 
And that's Alec Pierce out of Cincy. And if you guys believe this stuff, and, and you know what I do, since he has three defensive backs who are going to be drafted in the first two days of this draft, one, Sauce Gardner, who Adam mentioned is loving earlier, is going to be probably a top five pick. They raved yep. about Pierce playing against Pierce in practice. Mm. Yeah. Turns out they were pretty good, huh? They were pretty loaded, that team. Yeah. And uh, very deserving of their spot in the CFB playoff. You know what I am really excited about is I, I cannot, I didn't go back all that far. I went back to the 2014 draft, which was that great wide receiver draft with Beckham and Watkins and Evans and Cooks and Devontae Adams, who was a second round pick. I cannot think of a wide receiver who got drafted by a team that has an elite quarterback and immediately looks obvious to step into the number one mm. target role. Right? I mean, like, like it, since this... Uh. What? Who? There was one last year. That was the one, right? But but I I couldn't put Burrow on the same level as Aaron Rodgers. Right. You know, Burrow had a great time. year. Yep. But to to give Aaron Rodgers a guy, it's a good chance going to happen. <laughs> Hope fingers crossed. And uh, you know, it's a decent chance. Going to take a running back and a quarterback, right? Yeah. Uh, to give Aaron Rodgers a guy that could be number one in targets. When we have seen his number one wide right. receivers have just been fantasy league winners. Number they've been number one in fantasy. That is so exciting. I can't think of a time where it's happened. I mean, you had like Brandon Cooks, but they still had Jimmy Graham and the end of Marcus Colston. Then you had Michael Thomas, but they still had Brandon Cooks. But both those guys had good rookie years. Michael Thomas had a great rookie year. Anyway, this is I don't know if it's unprecedented, but it has been a long time since since this has happened. I don't I can't name the last time it happened. Maybe it was Joe Burrow, but again, he's not Aaron Rodgers. But I mean, I think that is so exciting. Do you think that people will look at what happened to Justin Jefferson and say that he was somebody who went? I mean, I don't think we were yeah, drafting him that way, and I'm not sure if we were right. drafting Jamar Chase that but way. Cousins either. wasn't Rodgers, but Cousins had Cousins had a great year. Um, and Jefferson had the he had the infamous Odell Beckham training camp where he was like injured or on the COVID list. Remember, yeah. it, it, got Azer, off to a slow Amos, start. Amos, Azer famously dropped him for like one of the Texans like third receivers on the depth. Oh, chart. we all know who it was. Who was it? <laughs> who was it, Dave? It was uh, Peyton. Barber. I can't remember. Peyton Barber. I dropped him for. Yeah. <laughs> These are the affinity for Texans players. Remember the seven eight round back to back last year. Just brutal at, stuff. At least you acknowledge it, it was seven eight because okay. you say it was six seven. But I used it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anyway, I'm excited for that. And I think, Dave, the hardest thing for me when all this dust settles is am I going to downgrade any of the veteran wide receivers like Terry McLaurin? Yeah. If they draft Drake London, you know, am I going to downgrade any of the veteran wide receivers if their teams take one of the best wide receivers in round one? I don't think I'll do it for a round. No, no way for a round two pick. Almost very unlikely. Depends on who it is. And would you do it for the breakout types too, Adam? Like, let's say the Jets go with Drake London or any of those receivers. Are you yeah, not, as, right. not as high on Eli Moore now? Yes. I don't know. I, I'm going to defer to you guys on that. I think that's the toughest part because I like second-year receivers right. a lot. Even the great second-year receivers a lot of times struggle as rookies. So I could see, let's let's say in this example, you had Jamison Williams going to the Jets for from Ryan. Who would you guys rank higher, Will, Jamison Williams or Elijah Moore? Because on one hand, I guess Jamison Williams is a better prospect than Elijah Moore was, although Moore was no slouch. On the other hand, Moore was very good last year, you know, for at stretch. 
and mm-hmm. he's in his second year, and he's now recovering from a torn ACL. So, Dave, right. which Jets receiver would you take? Obviously, it's Corey Davis, but other than no, just kidding. <laughs> who, who would it be between the two young guys? I would take Braxton Berrios. I would take I would take Elijah Moore ahead of Jamison Williams. What? How would that change? Jamison Williams participates in training camp. He looks great. Zach Wilson has time to throw to him. Maybe that other first round pick that the Jets use is on a lineman. That offensive line that already looks like to be one of the top half lines in the league. Maybe it becomes closer to a top 10 line. That's an example of an offensive lineman impacting fantasy football. It would have to take stuff like that. Jamison Williams being not only available to play in week one, but also looking like he belongs as the number one alpha receiver in the Jets offense. And that Zach Wilson looks good in camp too. Dan, what scares me is if the Eagles take a wide receiver. You're talking about a team that had the fewest pass attempts in the NFL last year, and that was while changing their strategy to becoming even more run-heavy seven games into the season or eight games into the season, whatever it was. Um, Yeah, so Devontae Smith, probably the number one receiver in this, if he were in this year's class, right? I would have him one, yeah. Yeah. So if they take a receiver, which didn't happen in Ryan's mock, but does happen in a lot of mock drafts, yeah, I I think you have to rank Smith ahead. But do you even put Smith in the top like thirty six at wide receiver? You know, right? Yeah, I don't know if I do. Yeah, we'll see who it is. You can't trust that passing game right now. Right? It's 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 it would be like the Ravens drafting another wide receiver. Yeah, just right. It would be like Bateman and over Bateman. But Brown had his best season. After they drafted Bateman, which is why, you know, I, we tend to lean toward a lot the of that production early in the season, though. Yeah. OK, um, running backs. We have a little bit of time for running backs here. They deserve more than a little bit. of time. We, well, yeah, I don't feel worry. Like we did running backs dirty. We may have to figure something out. We, yeah, like, well, this, this is this is where one. we should Tomorrow. have wedged in the tight ends, not the running OK, backs. so you will save too much offensive line. Talk at him. <laughs> we'll save. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm talking about the guys at the top six picks in the NFL draft here. Uh, we'll save running backs for tomorrow. We'll give them the, the due that they deserve. Uh, Dave, talk to me about tight ends. Anyone that you think could be fantasy relevant this year? We actually had two top 12 tight ends in 2021. Pitts, obviously, yep. and Fryermuth. I think he was actually 11th and non and 13th and full PPR. But anyway, two relevant tight ends. What do you think about this year's crop? We don't have anybody like Kyle Pitts, where it's a, you know, a guy who's more like a wide receiver playing tight end. We've got tight ends who are... They've got the ceiling of George Kittle, but they've also got the floor of like lower than Heath Miller. I don't know. I can't think of anybody right now. But the two that I like the best are Trey McBride, who I'm sure most everybody's heard about. Just a big, beefy tight end. He can block, he can catch, he can run. Uh, and Greg Dulcich, Dulcich, Dulcich from UCLA. And when I watched him, I thought of Kittle. So I think that he's somebody that could end up being good if he lands in the right spot. Uh, Jelani Woods is another one who's got good size to him. I'd like to see where he ends up. But I would probably classify this group as versatile, um, fairly deep. There are a lot of tight ends that I think can fit into the mold of do-it-all tight end, but none that have that breakaway skill set or talent base that's going to make you say, wow, he can be a difference maker at the next level. Dan, we have had in the last seven years two tight ends finish as top 10 tight ends as rookies. Can you name them? Kyle Pitts, yeah, and uh, last ten years is that what we had? Seven years, seven years. finished top ten, only two. Kyle there's Pitts a reason you said seven years. It's that draft, obviously. No, no, no. The out. reason I did seven years, I'll tell you why I did seven years after you guess. Okay. And Dave, you can guess as well. 
is disappointing. What is this? I can't get there. This is the other tight end who finished top oh, 10. Oh, Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Evan tough. Ingram. Yeah. 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 Wow. What a disappointment from that point on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and why did I do the last seven years? Because I started these exercises two years ago and I did five <laughs> years and I just keep adding to the data every year. Uh, so now I'm in my so over the last seven years. Kind these of are stats. They call this. Yeah. I'll give you some, these some are advanced. Uh, these are not, uh, <laughs> here's what you need to know. We've had at least two rookie running backs finish top 12 in five of the last seven seasons. The two exceptions were 2019. Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders, they were top 15, but they were not top 12. Actually, Jacobs was 21st in PPR, 14th in non-PPR. And last year, Najee Harris was top five, but Javante Williams was 17th in non, 16th in PPR. So that, unfortunately, that is two of the last three seasons where we did not have two top 12 rookie running backs. But overall, five of the last seven, we have had two top 12 rookie running backs. Uh, wide receivers, we've only had five top 12 rookie wide receivers in the last seven seasons. They were Michael Thomas, A.J. Brown, and only in non-PPR, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Jalen Waddell, only in full PPR. Um, but we've had at least one top 24 wide receiver as a rookie in all seven seasons, and three of them in 2020, uh, and two last year. It's And it's getting better. We've had four to five wide receivers finish top 36 as rookies three straight seasons. That's kind of what I was... I wish I had had that stat like 15 minutes ago when I was talking about <laughs> wide receivers. But again, that's four, four to five top 36 rookie wide receivers three straight seasons. So that's good stuff. And it's a, a, a nice departure from the crap we had in, you know, like five, six years ago. We just had these terrible wide receiver drafts. But um Yeah. Anyway, Dan, thanks for being on. You want the rest of your podcast review? Oh, uh, yeah, I do want that, actually. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay, so it was after I was just like, oh, I'm going to listen to a podcast. So I listened to Big Blue Banter, and it was after the NFL Combine, and they were giving their Giants thoughts and talking about how the Giants said that they were all they, they were not trading Kadarius Tony, and it was so good to hear that. And, you know, <laughs> it was true at the time. Um, but Dan spent the first, I'd say, 15 to 20 minutes talking about all the restaurants he visited in San Antonio. Uh, he <laughs> the talked about like, the people like yeah. hearing it. <laughs> it was only about five minutes, yeah, but it was like minutes. the guy, the, the names of the people he played poker with <laughs> food reviews. So you made the people wait a little while, dad, you made the people wait a little while for the goods. Listen, that connects us with, the, you know, all about this, Adam, you are a pro at this. You got to connect with the people. You have to hit, hit people on a personal level. It was a very good show, and if you are a Thank Giants you. fan, you should listen to the Big Blue Banter podcast. All right, I, which I have not, by the way, been asked to uh, to come on, which is shocking to me, but whatever. We'll, we'll get you on. We'll get you on soon. Also, both of you share something in common. I recommended tremendous movies to both of you. Neither of you have watched it. You both promised to watch it. Dan actually started the movie, loved it, loved it, and then stopped. It's terrible to start a movie and stop. There's so many. I'm going to have to restart it now, by the way, when I do finally decide to watch it. Yeah. I don't know what it is with me in movies. I'm good at watching TV shows with movies. I'm like, oh, this is such a commitment. Two and a half hours of the TV. But then I'll end up watching two episodes of a TV show. Right. It's the same time. Makes no sense. So for Dave, he has to watch Taken. And for Dan, he has to watch Matchstick Men. Both are great. And uh, I recommend And for you, Wolf of Wall Street. That is a three and a half hour movie, I think. I mean, that is like way too long. It's damn good. All right, fine. It is good. I've seen that one. All right. I'm sure it's good. Leo Leo doesn't miss. 
I did watch the Batman this weekend. Yeah, I want to see that. Oh, how was it? Uh, I was entertained. I, I, are you not entertained? I want to see it. Um, I watched Licorice Pizza. Yeah, I saw that in theaters. You did? Yeah. Oh, it's good, right? Pretty good. Yeah, so you made the time commitment for Licorice Pizza. Right. <laughs> and the coming <laughs> attractions. And the trip to the theater and all that. Uh, Parking. Do you know what Licorice Pizza is? Why it was called Licorice Pizza? No, I have no idea. Licorice Pizza is what apparently they used to call vinyl records because they look uh. like pizza and they and licorice, you know? Hmm. And Licorice Pizza was the name of a record store in California, LA, in the yeah. Valley, like in the 70s when the movie set. Well, anyway, that has been uh, Movie Talk with <laughs> Dave and Dan. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. We're going to talk about the veteran players that have the most to gain and most to lose based on the NFL draft. Uh, thanks uh, a lot to Ryan Wilson for coming on as well. And have a great day, everybody. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.